Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. Our conversation today will recap the week that was, including thoughts on what has been driving recent movement of rates. Plus, we will preview the week ahead, uh, namely the highly anticipated Fed policy meeting. So, uh, joining me for the conversation today, glad to welcome back to Top of the Morning, Leslie Falconio, Senior Fixed Income Strategist Americas with the UBS Chief Investment. Office. Uh, Leslie, welcome back. Happy Friday, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Dan. So, Leslie, to begin, I want to highlight how the 10-year Treasury yield this week, it was interesting, really rates in general, though, if you look at the 10-year, it has given back some recent gains. So I'm curious from what you've been picking up on, Leslie, what's behind this week's rate activity? Well, I mean, one of the things that we have discussed, particularly going into the fourth quarter, and a lot of the technical rally that we saw in the summer was that we expected, you know, interest rate volatility to be fairly strong heading into the end of the year, and partly because of, and obviously partly because of the Fed. And, you know, the month of October has not disappointed. I mean, when we think about where interest rates were, the 10-year yield was around, in October 14th, it was about 1.5. Then we went all the way up to that 1.7 around the 21st, which is, which is that February, March area levels that we saw in the first quarter. Then they reverse all the way back down almost to that 1.5 level again a week later. So in a two, two week period, the 10 year treasury yield has almost did a 40 basis point round trip. So that is, that's pretty, um, when it comes to volatility, obviously in that period of time, you know, it's, it's been somewhat of, uh, unexpected in the sense that how great the magnitude was, but the volatility in and of itself is not. Now, when we think going forward, our, it doesn't change our view, and that's the most important thing because, you know, when we have this kind of volatility into the fourth quarter, which we do anticipate to continue, it doesn't really uh, uh, alter our trend, our overall long-term trend, which is that interest rates will rise, and they'll rise into the end of the year. But there's just a lot in terms of central bank um, comments, not just from the U.S., but also from Europe, that are, you know, causing a bit of volatility. And obviously, one of the most important things as well that we saw is the curve movement. The, the, the movement in the curve and the amount of volatility that we have seen in the what we call the five thirty years spread has been really tremendous. This spread has gotten down to, say, the mid-70s, which is incredibly flat. And one of the reasons why this is happening is that the market is focusing on um, – you know, the market of itself is projecting uh, Fed hikes a bit more sooner than, say, economists are. Let's run with that for a few moments. Now, if you look around the globe, uh, there seems to be a growing number of central banks rolling back policy from the pandemic era. Those measures, we've heard from a few this week, as I, I mentioned a few moments ago, a lot of anticipation over the Fed meeting next week here in the U.S. What are your expectations, Leslie, as far as what we'll be hearing from the Fed? Yeah, that's, that's absolutely right. Dan. And, and a lot of that sort of rhetoric, you know, to your point, has really been one of the things that's been influencing not just the level of rates, but also the shape of the curve. Now, when it comes to the Fed next week, I mean, our expectation is that they will announce, you know, some sort of or just, that they will announce just they're starting a to taper quantitative easing. Now, this really isn't, you know, new news to the marketplace, nor do we anticipate that um, this will that announcement in and of itself will alter the path of interest rates. I mean, obviously, it depends on, you know, the trend in terms of how long or the expectation of what the monthly, which we assume will be monthly, 
decline in buying of treasuries and MBS will be. I mean, our expectation is that it will be $15 billion a month, $10 billion in treasuries, $5 billion in mortgage-backed securities. And say if it starts in December, then it takes you to around that June-July area. Now, what the market's going to be looking for in terms of, of what we think of in terms of guidance, because remember, we're going to have the employment number around that time as well, is that because the market is much more hawkish, and when I say that, is that the market is now pricing in almost you know two two and a half rate hikes just in 2022 alone that start in that you know July August time frame. So what the market thinks is that the Fed will you know end up you know tapering. It'll end its taper like it has guided around June July, and then it'll tighten. Now we think that's a bit aggressive. We think it's very aggressive because you know at that time you really need to see whether or not we are at full employment. You know, there's not going to might not be enough information in terms of the curing of the supply chain. Um, you know, inflation numbers that we've seen, and we think it's going to take a little bit more time before the Fed actually does move. But I do think we're going to look for a tapering, and I wouldn't be surprised right now if the if, if Powell has more. You know, he's going to be sort of like a hawkish dove, you know, because he doesn't want interest rates to rise too quickly. He's, he recognizes what the market is pressing in. He's well aware that things like the 10-year break-even inflation rate has hit that 2.7, which is the highest since 2005. So I do, we do expect something in regard to taper. We also maybe expect a little bit of a dovish overlay with this commentary. The Fed, I'm sure, very cognizant of concerns that are top of mind for investors. You think about rising inflation, supply chain constraints. Perhaps we can tie this all into fixed income performance. Hear about a bit of an outlook through the end of the year and risks specific to fixed income investors, Leslie, that you'll be monitoring. What are your expectations for fixed income performance over the next, let's say, couple of months? Well, you know, Dad, it's interesting. And I just we just put this in a blog as well, is that, you know, you know, we've people have been such focused on whether or not the ten year yield will end at a you know a one point seven or a one point nine is that sometimes you forget how low the yields were that we where we started twenty twenty one, which was around ninety basis points. And a, and when you think about that, I mean if we go to the our our objective or at or around objective one point eight, that's almost a doubling of ten year treasury yields. That is a big headwind to total return. So when we think about that, and, we, and one of the things that we wrote in the blog is that we showed that, you know, given the low base that we started from in terms of yield and where we've come from that low base, the total return of things like the Treasury Index is the lowest that we've seen since, since you know, around 2009. But again, you're coming from that very low base. So our expectation is, is that obviously we do think interest rates are going to rise going forward, but they're not going to double. Okay, so you can go from 90 to 180, but you're not going to go 180 to 360. So, again, so even though we think that you're going to have a headwind because of interest rates, the negative total return that we've seen from the Treasury market should start to slow over time. And, and again, we still are. We still believe interest rates will rise. We still look at rising rates as a headwind to total return, but just with less, much less of a magnitude. So when we think about how we're positioned, and I know you and I are going to get to this a bit later, is that we still really watch the headwinds from rising rates, what that might have in terms of return, but we do not expect the magnitude that we've seen since we started 2021 because we're just the base is just not as low. 
Well, Leslie, I'm glad you brought up your blog. Again, that title, Fixed Income, A Round Trip. So for our listeners, our clients, be sure to reference the blog now available for you up on UBS.com forward slash CIO. Though, uh, Leslie, to your point on positioning, that's a perfect place to wrap up. What are your current recommendations for fixed income investors with respect to allocation at this time? Yeah, I mean, our biggest allocation this year, and I know this sounds like a broken record, Dan, but it really has worked out very well. Is, is in the senior loan side. And the reason being is that what I just mentioned, one, we started we started the year at such low interest rates. That was the first thing. And two, we also knew that the economy would recover, would recover and credit spreads would compress, which is exactly what they've done. Now, when we look going forward, it's not as though we're expecting a tremendous amount of spread compression because they've, go, they've gone pretty far this year. But there's a lot of cash on the sidelines. We think the economy is obviously still in a healthy position, although you know we might be past peak growth. The absolute number is going to be very strong. You know, but with that said, most of this, the floating rate nature of the senior loan has been a benefit because we do think interest rates will rise. Obviously not by the same magnitude we've seen the last 10 months, but we do think we'll rise into the end of the year and also rise into the first part of 2022 because we do have a bit of this, you know, you know, delay, not derailment of growth that we saw from this Delta, from, you know, people not getting back to work as quickly as, you know, one might have expected. So we do think that, you know, the senior loan part is a, is a place to be. And another place, too, as well, is that we still have things like the CMBS side, which, again, you know, the commercial real estate, the real estate side is, is very good in terms of when we think about if, in fact, inflation might last a little bit longer than what's expected. It has a little bit more interest rate risk. So it's always good to have that sort of exposure, particularly given the fact that we have moved so far since the beginning of the year. So those really have been our two biggest sort of allocations. But going forward, you know, it's really going to be about trying to earn carry. And because we think that the spread in and of itself is going to stay very range-bound. And we've seen this over the past several months. Even with the interest rate volatility that we've seen, we haven't had a lot in terms of widening credit spread. It's not just the opposite. Credit spreads have come in. We've got, you know, oil, you know, in the 80s, high yield, IG, all sort of, all sort of, you know, done that one would expect, particularly at these level of negative real yields. But, you know, again, don't expect a lot of compression. You just kind of go... You, just try to uh, invest to earn the carry, but just watch our interest rate exposure. Well, Leslie, very helpful conversation as we head into the weekend. You think about next week could be very crucial as we anticipate the Fed policy meeting. So it was helpful to hear about your expectations and how this all might translate to fixed income performance and in turn how to think about allocation accordingly. So great catching up as always, Leslie, and we'll look forward to picking back up with the conversation again soon. Thank you, Dan. I appreciate it. Thank you, Leslie. And again, today we've been joined by Leslie Falconio, Senior Fixed Income Strategist Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. So as a reminder to our clients and our listeners, the UBS Chief Investment Office does author a variety of publications and blogs that touch on timely market developments, asset classes, and portfolio allocation. Uh, These resources can all be located on UBS.com forward slash CIO. Again, including the blog I made reference to just a few moments ago, which was authored by Leslie, Fixed Income, A Round Trip. So for clients of UBS, simply reach out to your financial advisor if you would like to receive a copy of that blog directly. Top of the Morning is part of the UBS Market Moves podcast channel, which is available where podcasts are found, including on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, 
Stitcher, and Pandora. Visit UBS.com forward slash studios to view the entire podcast offering, as well as the new UBS trending video series. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the global wealth management business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.